0: Good, anybody lose their faith trying to get a communion cup open this morning? All right, that's one of the casualties of COVID. We just have to work at it, okay? You gotta go home with a little grape juice on your pants every single week. Hey, a couple things before we jump in. First of all, you can stay connected to us through the hub, okay? You can scan the QR code on the seat pocket right in front of you. You can do prayer requests, you can give, you can do all sorts of stuff there. So at any point during the message, um, you get bored, go ahead and take care of that for us. Um, we'll, we'll do that. Hey, if you can't notice, um, my voice is starting to go just a little bit, okay? Made it through the last service just fine. I've been sniffing a concoction of eucalyptus and all sorts of stuff. Think we're good, uh, but pay attention because if my voice completely goes, I'm going to tap one of you to come up here and finish this out. Um, so just be ready for that. Hey, I want everybody who serves on our guest services team to stand up. Okay, that's our, our parking lot greeters, lobby greeters, coffee servers, section hosts, starting point hosts, online hosts. You can go ahead and join them if you're on the safety team or the medical team. All of you guys stand up right now so that we can recognize you guys. Okay, there we go. Hey, these are the folks in our church that make us feel welcome. They make us feel safe and they keep us caffeinated. Let me tell you, they are the frontline workers at Northridge and we're excited um, that they are here. Let me tell you something, people that visit our church, they'll rarely come back just because the message is good. Okay. They'll rarely come back just because the music is good. But if somebody recognizes them, if somebody welcomes them, if somebody calls them out and notices them, oh man, they're gonna come back and they are going to get connected and this is gonna be their church home. I appreciate what these guys are doing. Hey, when you join a serve team, Okay, not just guest services, but any serve team, that's the place at Northridge where you are known, loved, and cared for, okay? That happens in groups too, but our serve teams are one of the environments where, where you're known, cared for, and, and loved. But, but the truth of the matter is, because of the nature of the guest services role, because they're interacting with each and every one of us, those people are also known, cared for, and loved by every single one of us in the church. Which is, why, um, which is why almost a year ago, we felt the sting of losing the queen of guest services. That's Miss Gina Montgomery. We're going to throw her picture up right here. Many of you knew Gina. Um, Gina was a light at Northridge, okay? Um, she stood back here greeting people, talking to people, welcoming people. She was a light at Northridge, uh, but she was so much more than that. She was a light in this community, Um, She spent 25 years serving as a nurse at the Cancer Treatment Center. And the family has come up with a way to honor her legacy. Um, What they're gonna be doing is they're collecting funds to ease the financial burden caused by cancer. And they're calling this initiative, Be The Light, or Be A Light. And what we wanna do is give you an opportunity to partner with them in this. We thought about just making a donation from the church, but we know that a lot of you know um, and cared for Gina. You were cared for by Gina and you wanna contribute. And so next week, we're going to do something called the dollar club. And we're going to ask every person that attends our service to bring a dollar. If you want to bring two or three, we're not going to turn it away. uh, But we're going to have buckets at the back of the worship center. You guys can give a couple dollars or a dollar. And um, we will make sure we donate that and match all the funds that come in up to $2,000 so that we can support this ministry and what's going on. So thank you guys in advance for helping us out with that. Hey, um, I read a book um, this past year and it's, it's a book called Finding Your Way Back to God. And, uh, and it's written by brothers Dave Ferguson and John Ferguson and I want you to know this book um, wrecked me, okay? Um, as soon as I finished it, I immediately ordered a few copies and I, I sent it to some of our staff because I wanted to use it as a launching point for what we're gonna be talking about throughout this series. You see, the whole premise of the book is, is one simple prayer, and it goes like this. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Maybe that struck a chord with me because I have prayed that prayer, okay? I've prayed that prayer during extended periods of disbelief. Um, I have prayed that prayer when, when circumstances briefly interrupted my life and caused me to question God's faithfulness. This is a prayer that I have used to express longing and, and desperation. But, but I want you to know it's also a prayer that has produced more revelation and more God-sized coincidences than I could have ever imagined. And that's what we're praying happens for you during this series as well. You see, maybe your relationship with Jesus has gone stale. You know, COVID's done that for a lot of people. You get out of the habit of going to church, you get out of the habit of community, you get out of the habit of doing your quiet time, whatever it may be, and, and maybe your relationship with Jesus has just gone stale. Or maybe you feel like, you know what? You, you used to know God, you used to kind of have a relationship with him, but you've, you've walked away, you've distanced yourself from him. Or maybe you believe that he's walked away from you. Maybe your circumstances have created a bitterness and in anger, and you just don't know that you trust God anymore. Listen, maybe there's a little bit of distance between you and God, or maybe you feel like the Grand Canyon separates the two of you. What this series is gonna do is week after week, it's gonna guide you back into a life-changing relationship with a God who knows you and loves you and wants good for you. All right, so don't miss a week of this series. Let's begin the first message by talking about emotions and feelings, okay? You guys ready for that? I thought about bringing a little couch up here. I was gonna lay down on it and just open up about all of my emotions and feelings. Now, how many of you would say that you're not a very emotional person? Raise your hand, okay? Like, you have emotions, but you keep them buried pretty deep, okay? That's that's me, I'm one of those people. I don't like to share a whole lot of emotions. How many of you that raised your hand, your opinion would change if I reminded you that anger is in fact an emotion, (laughs) okay? Man, be with all the people who just got kicked by their spouse during that comment that wasn't very Christ-like at all. Listen, I'm, I'm not picking on you. Just last week, um, I, I delicately and lovingly dragged my son out of his bed, something I do every single morning. And, and I helped him get dressed, and I, I helped him brush his teeth, and, and, and I fixed his breakfast. I, I basically sacrificed my own sleep so that I could provide for his every single need. But when it was time to go to school, something we do every single morning, he was outraged and surprised. He protested and he demanded an explanation for why we were doing the same thing that we do every single day. Listen, am I describing anybody else's morning with kids in the room? Okay, to top it all off, my coffee maker didn't work, okay? So I had to face him without backup, okay? I was emotional, okay? I was angry. But listen, this is what I've come to learn about anger. Anger is often referred to as a secondary emotion. What that means is that, that when we express an outburst of anger, there's a lot more that's going on underneath the surface. It's often described using an iceberg, okay? It's called an anger iceberg. And and basically it says that that outburst of anger only represents this top little percentage of what's really going on. But that outburst is actually something that you use to cover up or hide all the many emotions, all the many feelings that you have. For example, that morning I felt unappreciated. I felt out of control and I felt tired and I didn't know how to express that. And so I just got angry. Anger was hiding the truth. Why is that important? Well, Because it illustrates that the feelings we embrace and they rarely if ever tell the whole story. And until we dive deeper, we'll miss out on any real resolution or any real change that might be crying out from underneath them. Listen, some of you are gonna be relieved to know this isn't a sermon about anger, okay? We're not talking about that today. Although based on the number of hands that went up, we probably need to talk about it at some point. But what we're talking about is those feelings that we have, those, those longings that we have that are, that are buried underneath our actions. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at our pursuits, looking at our desires, looking at our emotions and diving deeper to figure out how to satisfy those things, specifically how to satisfy those things through God. If we just look at the surface, all we're going to see is this top little percentage. But man, when we dive deeper, we're going to find out that God is underneath each and every bit of it. To help us unpack that, we're gonna be looking at one of the most popular stories in the Bible. Um, It's the story of the prodigal son, and it's found in Luke chapter 15. Um, We're gonna start reading in verse 11. This is what it says, Jesus continued. Okay, we're gonna pause right there because I want you to know those words are powerful because they indicate that this isn't an isolated story. Okay, God is setting us up, or Jesus, as he's telling these stories, he's setting us up because he's already shown us a series of stories that highlight this connection between what happens on earth and how heaven responds. We're going to come back to that in a few minutes, but that's how he begins this story. He says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Okay, all we know at this point is that there's two sons and one of them is kind of a jerk, okay? The son in this time period, just like today, they were expected to wait until their parents passed away to receive their inheritance. But it actually goes a little bit deeper than that. You see, they were also expected to care for their parents in their old age. And so essentially what the son does when he goes to his father is he says, look, I don't care if you live or die. I don't care if you live or die. I won't be there for you. All I want is what's coming for me and I want it now. Listen, I don't know why the father gives in, but I do know this. The more time I spend in that story, the more relatable I find the prodigal son. You see, we don't like to admit it and we probably wouldn't verbalize it in that way, but every single one of us sometimes feels like life isn't bringing us what we hoped for. Life isn't providing what we wanted. Life isn't giving us what we deserve and we long for something more. And so we set out to find things in this life that'll bring joy and satisfaction and contentment. See, the son in the story is just like us. He's convinced that he had to leave the father so that he could experience life to the fullest. But let's see what he uncovers as he gets out of his father's presence. Starting in verse 14. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Listen, after pursuing the things of this world, he came to his senses and he returned to his father where love, safety, and joy was waiting. You see, the same impulses that told him you've got to go to experience life the way it was meant to be experienced ultimately led him back home and said, no, joy and completion and satisfaction, contentment, all of these things are found in the presence of your father. Here's the sermon in a sentence, and this is how this story is going to relate to us today. Every longing in life, every longing we have in this life drives us to Jesus. You see, it may not seem like it. We may desire things. We may long for things. And when we look at the tip of the iceberg, we take it at face value, but we know that there's something going on deep underneath the surface that proclaims that that desire, that longing, that need was created by God and fulfilled only through God. Today, we're going to look at three different longings that we have in life. And the things that we accept at face value all too often, but once we uncover the truth, we realize that they are only satisfied by God through Jesus Christ. Here's the first one. We are looking for relationships. Okay, that's tip of the iceberg, but we are longing for love. We're looking for relationships. We're longing for love. Go back to verse 13. Remember, it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Listen, you and I are left to kind of wonder, what, is, what does wild living look like during Jesus' day? It's probably not the same thing that it is today. There's probably some differences. And we begin to question that, but we don't have to question it for long because a few verses later in verse 30, his brother tells us outright what that means. He says that his brother squandered his father's wealth in prostitutes. You see, when the prodigal son left love of his fa- the love of his father he tried to fill that void with sexual intimacy or relational intimacy in a brothel. You see, he craved love, but he settled for sex and found out the hard way that even though it promised to satisfy him, it was really only a cheap imitation of the desire that he had in his heart. Rather than satisfaction and joy, those are the things that sexual intimacy promised It left him feeling broken, empty, and alone. I remember reading a story about a guy named Glenn Wolf and Glenn Wolf is the world record holder, okay? For something amazing. He is the most married man in the United States, okay? He has had the most monogamous marriages out of anybody in the entire country. He passed away years ago, but he was married a total of not three, four, five, not 10, 12, 14, but 29 times. That's crazy, isn't it? His shortest marriage was just 19 days. Okay, don't know why that one didn't work out. His longest was seven years. You know, when I read that, I I just, I can't help but wonder, why did he keep going? I mean, why after two or three or four or five or 23 times, did he not say, you know what, maybe, maybe marriage isn't all it's cracked up to be, or maybe there's something wrong that's preventing me from getting out of this when I'm hoping to get out of this. But the truth of the matter is no matter how many times he tried, he kept looking for more because when it comes down to it, we as a human race are willing to risk everything so that we can feel known and loved. Even if it's failed 28 times, we still say I'm willing to risk it all one more time because maybe that's going to give me what I'm longing for. Listen, you haven't been married 29 times or else I'd be using you in this illustration but my guess is your desire for relational intimacy, you demonstrate that in another way. Maybe you demonstrate that with an addiction to pornography. Maybe it's an obsession with social media. Maybe your life is completely fueled by the likes and the praises you receive from people that you don't even know. Maybe you you seek after relational intimacy by flirting with a coworker who's not your spouse or or maybe it's by living vicariously through the, the relational lives of, of, of characters in books or movies or TV shows. Maybe you get that by sleeping around or, or maybe because you give in to things that you don't wanna do just because you feel like it's the only way to make people like you. Let me tell you something. Every self-destructive relational pursuit that runs rampant in our world proclaims this truth. We are hardwired for love. But every single one of those things we just talked about, they're cheap imitations of the real thing because the real thing only comes through Jesus Christ. Let me read you a quote. It's not gonna be up here on the screen, but it's by Paul David Tripp and it's in a book called Sex and Money. I'd encourage you to get it, but let your spouse know that you're ordering it before you press send. It's what it says. The problem is that the created things that you're looking to have no capacity to satisfy your heart. It wasn't designed to do that. It cannot give you inner peace. It cannot give you the heart rest of contentment. It cannot quiet your cravings. In a word, it cannot be your Savior. And if you look outside of the Savior for something to be your Savior, that thing will end up not being your Savior, savior but your Master. Listen, is that guy reading our mail or what? Here's the good news every single thing in this world that disappoints us in our pursuit for relational intimacy. Here's what it points us to. It points us to the fact that there is something different and better about Jesus that satisfies us in a way nothing else can. Look at what it says in 1 John four sixteen. It says, so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. You see, what we crave, what we long for, God doesn't just have it, God is it. He is love. First John 4.10, it, it says this, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, God's pursuit of us has a name. It's the name of Jesus. And he didn't just walk around on this earth talking about love. He lived it so that we can have it. God reached out to us in the form of Jesus Christ so that we don't have to settle for cheap imitations anymore. We can recognize and embrace the fact that love is our inheritance through Jesus Christ and we can be satisfied by him. Listen, that's the first iceberg that once we dig deeper, we find that it's really chasing us to Jesus Christ. Here's the second one, we are looking for success. Tip of the iceberg, that's what we want, but what we're really longing for is significant. Listen, in his book, Erwin McManus, um, the book is called Soul Cravings, but he says this. He says, all of us long to become something more than we are. We are driven to achieve, moved to accomplish, fueled by ambition. It burns hotter in some of us than in others, but it is within all of us. We're all searching for our unique purpose and divine destiny. Listen, every single one of us, we wanna be somebody that matters, don't we? We wanna do something significant. Even if we believe that this world is a cosmic accident, something deep inside of us says, I I still want to believe that I'm here for a reason. I still want to feel like I'm making my mark on this world. I still want to feel like it all matters. That's what the prodigal son felt. You see, he left home because he thought his best chance to create a better life, to be successful, to build the kind of life that he wanted to have was to leave his father and do it all on his own but he found out that wasn't the case. I don't know how many of you heard the story about Tom Brady this week, okay? I had this illustration written before he announced his retirement, so I appreciate him holding on so that this would be that much more relatable today. Um, He and I are real close. But Tom Brady is retiring after 22 seasons in the NFL and seven Super Bowl championships, okay? Love him or hate him, this guy is gonna go down in history as one of the greatest players to ever put on a football jersey. But let me tell you something, it was years ago after he won his third Super Bowl that, that he was being interviewed and he, he kind of opened up about his pursuit for success. And, and this is what he said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think that there's something greater out there for me? And he said that most people would look at him and say, you're the pinnacle of success. You've achieved everything there is to achieve. There is nothing greater you can accomplish. You've got it all his response was simply this, there's gotta be more than this. Listen, maybe the next four championships got him there, but I'm willing to bet that he still believes there's more to life than the success, than championships and Super Bowl rings. Here's the truth, okay? This is the bottom part of the iceberg. Fulfillment doesn't come from self-absorbed pursuits. It comes from doing something that has meaning beyond ourselves. Significance is found when we attach ourselves to God's ambitions and the things that he wants to do through us. In the Old Testament, God is talking to Jeremiah and he reveals how how he's hardwired Jeremiah to have significance and purpose on his life. That's what he says in Jeremiah 1.5. "'Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. "'Before you were born, I set you apart. "'I appointed you as a prophet to the nations.'" He says, Jeremiah, look, you think that everything that you've done makes you successful. Everything that you've accomplished means that you matter. But man, before you were even born, I called you significant. I called you out. I separated you with a divine purpose. I gave you significance. My favorite verse in the whole Bible is Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word handiwork is sometimes translated masterpiece. It comes from the Greek word poema, and it means that you are not mass produced. It means that you are made individually. You're made uniquely. You're made poetically. You are a work of art, Not to be hung up on a wall and admired, but a work of art to be used to accomplish God's will in this world. He created you with significance. He created you to do good works. We matter because he says we matter. We matter because he chooses to use people like us to make a difference in this world. Listen, success is too feeble of a thing to live for whether it's Super Bowl rings or or another raise or another promotion or anything else this life has to offer, we were created to honor him, to live for him and to be significant because he chooses to use us and only that will satisfy the deepest longing of our heart. Here's the third thing. This is the third iceberg pursuit that we have in our lives that draws us to Jesus. We are looking for answers, but we're longing for eternity. We're looking for answers, but we're longing for eternity. If you go back to Luke chapter 15, verses 14 through 16, it says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You see, while he went off to find himself and he ended up lost and broken and empty, And at this point in the story, he must've been asking questions like, why? Why did this happen? Things looked so promising. I thought this was the best course of action. I thought this would give me what nothing else could give me. That at this point, he says, "Why, why did things turn out the way they did? Why am I so lonely, broken, and empty? Why did this journey end with me being in a place like this? Have you ever been there before? Man, in a place where you say, God, why did this happen? God, why didn't you take this problem away? Why did you let me go through this? Because when we face things like that, it's easy to become angry and disappointed and full of sorrow. And, and those things have the potential to pull us away from God. But let me give you another way of looking at them. That need for fairness, for goodness, and for healing, every single one of those things helps us to recognize that we were created for something more than this world has to offer I had an opportunity to visit with somebody in the church this week. Somebody who's going through a hard time. Somebody who's had a long, hard battle with cancer. Somebody who's not gonna make it for very much longer. And I was able to sit in the living room and spend some time with them. And and I read a passage of scripture. The passage of scripture came from Psalm 103. And it basically just said that there are benefits to a relationship with God. And those benefits are, are the forgiveness of sins and healing. God brings about youth. I looked at him and I had tears in my eyes and I just said, I don't know why this is happening to you. I don't know why you're having to face this, but I do know that these promises are good and you can take them to the bank. You may not receive healing in this life, but there's a God who's waiting for you to show up and he's ready to to provide for you something that this world doesn't have to offer. There's not enough medicine in the world to do what my God can do. There's nothing in this world that can heal you like God can. There's nothing else in this world that can make you feel alive and satisfied and full of life like God can. You see, when we face challenges in this life, there's a reason that we, we feel like things aren't the way they're supposed to be. There's a reason that that our suffering feels not just painful, but wrong and unfair. God gave us those feelings so that we would recognize what this man knows to be true. We are not created for this world. We're created for the one that's coming. And when we get there, he's gonna make everything right. Listen, when you feel disappointed, overwhelmed, angry, upset, tired, beat up, broken, recognize that we serve a God who promises that there's a day coming where he's gonna fix all of it. And he's gonna allow us to live in the fullest of life with him in heaven. Every longing we have drives us to Jesus. We can keep trying to satisfy ourselves with the things of this world, but ultimately they're all gonna let us down because they're all cheap substitutes. Maybe you're in a place, a season where you could describe your life as wild living like the prodigal son, and and you're looking for one more thing that's gonna fill you up and satisfy you, one more cheap thrill that's gonna help you get through the day. Listen, I want you to know you could save yourself a lot of heartache and turn to Jesus and let him fill you up. Maybe you're in a season of longing where you just say, God, I, I just need something more. I, I got the promotion. I, I got the raise. I, I got the house. I got the, the marriage. I got the kids. I got everything I could ever want. But it's still not filling me up. I'm not satisfied. Maybe this is a season that God's trying to tell you. You've got to lean into him, maybe more so than you've ever done before so that you can truly be satisfied and filled up by him. Listen, wherever you are in your faith journey, here's the prayer that I'm gonna challenge you to pray all week long. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing from my life. It's until we recognize that he's what's missing from our life that we're just gonna keep feeling disappointed. So I want you to pray. Say, God, let me know that these things are cheap imitations and you're the real deal. Let me know that you're the one worth pursuing and fill me up because of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us to realize that you're what's missing from our life. Lord, the things of this world are always gonna let us down. They may give us a temporary high, they may fill us up temporarily and give us something that feels good in the moment, but but God, every single one of them is a cheap imitation of what only you can provide. And so I pray, God, in this community of believers, God, help us to embrace the fact that you are what's missing. You are what we want. You are what satisfies. You are the one who gets us through. God, I pray if there's anything in this world that we're holding on to tighter than we're holding on to you, if there's anything in this life that we've given your seat on the throne of our hearts, Lord, I pray that this week we would say, I'm done with that. I'm moving on and I'm gonna restore you to your rightful place in my life so that you can do for me what only you can do. God, I pray that you move in a powerful way. Help us to go closer to you throughout this week, but also throughout this entire series. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.